It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, how you doing? It's Mick Tully on the World of Martial Arts Television Show. Uh, great guest today. The guy actually needs no introduction whatsoever, but it's a pretty good introduction. He is literally the Don Drager of our generation. And if you don't know who Don Drager is, shame on you. We're going to go straight to a guy that I'm, I have to admit, I'm really impressed with. More, the more I find out about him, more I like. It's Mr. Mahi Pal Lunia. So, Mahi, you like to be referred to as, yeah? That, that works great. No, beautiful, beautiful. So what we're going to do is, instead of doing the usual preamble and you know, finding out about who you are, we can get into that later. Um, what I want to just get you straight away on is, you've got a, an upcoming symposium. And mm-hmm. if you could explain, because it, it's, it's a little bit different than a lot of the run of your meal seminars. So it's a symposium. And first of all, what is it about? And secondly, why have you gone for this format? Okay. So first of all, thank you for having me here. It's a, it's a pleasure. And I really do enjoy, do enjoy sharing my passion of these arts uh, uh, with all those who are interested. Yeah. So first of all, what's the symposium about? Let's just take a step back. You know, we, we, most of us martial artists, we do love blades, yeah? And we love blades and we, most of us have practiced one or two or three sorts of blades um, yeah, through, our, through our careers. But, the, but here's the thing, think about this for a minute. What blade conquered the world? It was not the Asian blade craft, it was the Western blade craft, right? And so you had Spain and sometimes with as few as 300 people conquering entire countries. You have this rich history of bladecraft that people refer to almost in a mystical fashion, but I've never really just touched hands or played with it to say, hey, what can I extract from here, right? So he said, hey, let's look at this because, you know, we, we I, I love Asian martial arts just as everybody else. That's how I grew up, um, uh, grew up learning things. But over a period of time, I said, why do we not also pay attention to this entire Western bladecraft. 
So now one thing we have to understand is, you know, the, this whole idea about styles and nationalism and purity, and quote me on this, is bullshit, right? <laughs> it's pure bullshit, right? Because no art develops in a vacuum, right? When arts are tested, we like to use the terms pressure tested these days to say sparring, but these arts were head tested, meaning whose head was severed from the rest of the body, right? So we have to look at that and say, okay, who did these arts clash with? How did they shape these arts? Or how are they shaped by them? So if you don't study history, you're bound to repeat its mistakes. And if you Definitely. do study history, not only can you learn from it, but you actually have a chance to become halfway intelligent and what I call the possibility of becoming a martial comprehensivist. Now, what's a martial comprehensivist? A martial comprehensivist is somebody who can have a complete picture of how they play in this world, how they engage in this world. So what are the things that come into play here? It, number one, your genetics. I know it's a taboo subject. Oh my God, he's talking genetics. Come on, grow up. You're fighting, right? Genetics. Second, geography. Because the way you would say move in a marshland is going to be very different than you would move in the sub-Saharan deserts of Africa, right? Very true. That's going to shape things, right? And then the third thing is your attitudes, Good example of attitudes is uh, I was working with uh, the, some people uh, from a, a particular tribe where they would go to war without any supplies. And I asked them, what do you mean you go to war without supplies? It's like, oh, I'm going to eat my enemy. Now that's a very different mindset than say people from my part of the world in India where uh, you know many of us were vegetarians. So you carried your whole supplies. And what that did is it gave you a different set of a supply chain and logistics than the guy who says, I'm going to eat you, Mick. I'm going to, I'm coming empty-handed with my blade. I'm going to chop you up and you're my dinner. So yeah. these things shape how we fight and who we become, right? So Spain was the first truly global empire starting in the yeah. 1500s. Now they have a history of conquest. They have, a, uh, they have a history of exploration. They have a history of being conquered and then removing the conquerors, right? So this is what we're looking to explore. So what that means is that, hey, let's look at Destreza, right? The high art of the Spaniards. Let's look at how it influenced the arts of Northern Africa, the, the curved nimcha, right? Moving down, uh, say, to the Philippines, we are bringing two examples. One is Cebu that was conquered what that did, how, how it inspired the use of two blades and not, right? So a lot of people like to say, hey, uh, FMA, it comes from Spanish uh, destreza. Maybe not, maybe not, right? Because yes. here's the thing, when you're looking at destreza, this is a high art. This was the art of the nobles. And uh, the ones who were conquered were peasants, right? Yeah. Uh, are they going to have access to the same kind of weapons? Not necessarily. So are they, are they point-oriented or are they edge-oriented? So those kind of things have to be examined to, to actually understand whether we are living in fallacies or truly exploring the arts. It's, it's interesting, just as you were saying that, I, I just like your take on this because, uh, again, 
when we talk about martial arts, we always talk about the Eastern martial arts, you know, Japan, China, the Philippines. And then if you've got half, if you've got even half an idea about history, you know, Europe were pretty good. You know, there's a lot of people in the world who speak Spanish. There's a lot of people who speak English and yeah, especially in England, no one, no one realizes about the martial arts, but in basically researching what you're doing with the symposium, it made me realize, even though yeah, I'm a Filipino martial artist, really, you know, I teach Jeet Kune Do, I do Jiu Jitsu, but Filipino, Filipino martial arts and Kali, I really, really, really like. And it was, I had no, I had an understanding, but I didn't realize just how much of the Spanish influence, especially on the bladed arts, there was. So like, can you explain a little bit, you know, for the guys who are watching, how how did that come about? Just say in Philippines, uh, just give that as a, like a, a, a case study, all of its own. Wow, that is that's going into that's gonna piss off so many people, but let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that, if you want to know the reason, that's why I asked it. So <laughs> I knew you were going to give me a good opinion. So this is this is still ongoing work, right? This is still ongoing work. So here's my take. To say that all of it came from Spain is pure bullshit, because then what you're denying is that the indigenous fighting arts ever existed. Yeah. Right? However, at the same time, when you look at the techniques and the names of the techniques, you find them all in Spanish. Exactly. In the yeah. system, you find it all in Spanish, right? So, so what is that? Well, when you are conquered, language is one of the first things they force on you. Of uh, education is one of the first things they force on you. So if that becomes your nomenclature, you know, as Martin Heidegger has eloquently said, you know, language is the house of being. So if, if the new language has become Spanish, right? Yeah. That becomes the house within which the being of the Filipino martial arts, at least the ones that were pulled in, like old Ran Cebu, existed. Yeah. Right. So it did shape it. It did shape it because the house and the environment you find yourself in, that's going to shape your movements. So yeah. that, but just saying that it's all Spanish does a disservice to the Filipino people, to their fierce, fierce fighting hearts. Right. And that ingenuity. Right. I mean, if you look at modern JKD, you really wouldn't have modern JKD without FMA. Right. Because that idea of adaptability, that idea of taking whatever works and above all. Freaking crazy fighting heart, you know, but right? it, you, you know, you've just said something like which is going to be quite, quite controversial myself. Uh, myself. It's like Jeet Kune Do, great. But if we talk about Bruce Lee, that was a 32 year old man's idea of his idea of combat against another human being. Yeah. Cause it, even though it wasn't a sport, but it was always nine times out of 10, it was mano y mano. Yeah. And then the Filipino arts complete opposite. And it, yeah, I won't mention his name, but he's a very, very good martial artist. And as he said, he goes, right. Okay. Jeet Kune Do is good. He goes, but that's, that's the combined knowledge of a 32 year old man who did research fighting arts. He goes, but if you look at Carly, that is literally countless thousands of hours of guys killing each other, eating them, as you said. But I wouldn't be able to say that. But yeah, eating them, right? And then come back, goes, just, it has to be 
it's a it's a crazy one so can you if we can talk just literally about how you have come about to just looking at the spanish influence because it's a real niche i'm really interested in it because it's a really niche area i will differ with you of this okay i think what is a niche is people's perspective Right? right, it is how narrow-minded you are as a martial artist. I'm, I'm just talking about people who think it's a niche. Here's the reason. So Philippines, you have Cebu on one end, then you have Mindanao that was never conquered. So their arts never made it against the Spaniards. But now you come into the new world. Yeah. But the whole of Americas, right? You have arts, uh, arts in Argentina, like Esgrima Criloja, uh, fighting with a cloak and a dagger, Spanish. You go into the uh, you go into the uh, you go into the forests of Colombia and Panama. You have the resistance fighters who develop their own methods of fighting with the machete. Who are they fighting? The Spanish. You come to the American Southwest, right? Uh, you have the Dons. You have the guys who conquered uh, uh, conquered the Great Plains. The, the first new Spanish army was in Mexico, Mexico, right? They had the sable, the, the their sword which came into being, which became the weapon that was used by the new armies, and they conquered all the way up into California. Bullwhips were developed. What is that influence? Spanish. You come down to the Southeast, uh, into the bayous of Louisiana and Arkansas, a very particular American blade craft developed called the Bowie knife. And the major influence is Spanish. So I think a lot of us, especially, and you know what? I was guilty of this myself until seven, eight years ago, I think, where I was always like, hey, there's a superiority of uh, the Asian fighting arts. But, but that's a perspective that was shaped by TV shows in the 60s and 70s, right? Yeah. But, but, here's a West, but here is actual steel that conquered the world. So it's not niche. I would go, uh, go and say this, that if you hold a blade, you most likely were influenced by Spanish. And the sad part is, if you don't study the roots, you truly won't be able to enjoy the fruit. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that is first of all beautiful. But you know, as you're saying this, it, the, like the ideas coming to my mind are, you know, I, I've said for years I got into martial arts and I could have just gone boxing, but you know, a Mawashigeri Gidan sounds way more impressive. Oh yeah, than a round kick to the knee, you know. And yeah, it was it's that whole thing where. Especially as young men, we're like we're from this generation now where we were shaped by two or three movies. So we don't have the saturation point now. So, you know, it was Bruce Lee's movies and then maybe yeah. Bruce Lie, whatever. But just as you were saying this, I'm thinking, man, yeah, the the, the Spanish fighting arts need a better PR guy because somebody's taking a hell of a lot of credit when you when you put it that way. Now, now, look at it this way, right? What changed Bruce Lee? It, it, what does Jeet Kune Do come down to? Okay, my limited understanding. Fencing and boxing. Where did fencing come from? The West. And yeah. that fencing footwork completely transformed Wing Chun. Yeah. Right? So, so even the, 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 the most popular martial artist on the planet was deeply influenced by fencing. So this is what I mean. I'm like, what, what we need to understand is that, hey, 
this shift, this shift, we went all the way one direction, but it's not about just swinging back and forth, but to be a comprehensivist, let's look at the impact of everything. Because when you do that, that's when you become, in my opinion, a superior martial artist, a superior fighter, and not just a fighter, because, hey, look, I loved fighting full contact while I was in my teens and 20s. Can I do it now? Yeah, I can. But I pay the price for it much longer in terms of recovery. Yeah. yeah. Right? Now, what does that serve? doesn't serve me well. What will serve me well is that I pull my weapons out. And then instead of spending time recovery, I spend that time hugging and kissing my little girls and playing with them. So, right? Because look... Many of us are guilty of this, me included. When I was younger, uh, wanted to be the biggest, toughest, baddest guy. Right? But but let's be serious. You know, when was the last time you saw an Indian guy with glasses be the biggest, toughest, baddest guy? You know, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really happen. You know. <laughs> so, but here's the thing: what is the purpose of martial arts? It has to be two things. It's not just being the biggest, baddest guy. It's not just increasing the quantity of my life, but it's also improving the quality of my life, right? So if the martial arts is doing more to damage my body in preparation for a fight that I may or may not have in my life, that's pure bullshit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's what, you know, Mahi, it's the the classic trope of the the warrior scholar. You know, and it's funny because when you're younger, I used to see some of these guys who were doing the warrior scholar, masterless Ronin shite, you know, and I, I listened to them. I go, you guys are complete dicks. And then I, you know, I was like, just get into the rock. Yeah. And then obviously as I got older uh, and I didn't you know, I was always interested in philosophy. I was always interested in becoming a better human being. And then it's like you were saying, you know, when you were t- talking about, you know, when you're younger, you, you get the blade, say, say blade works, what you're interested in. So you're training, you're getting your attributes, you're getting crazy. And then as you get older, just the fact that you own the blade is pretty cool. Look after it, hone it. You know, it's that whole thing of, especially the, the Japanese thing of the, the more you sharpen the blade, the more you understand the blade. And I, 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 truly, I truly believe most of the martial arts is all BS. I think it's just like, I don't want to quote Bruce Lee, that, but that vehicle for personal development where it's like, right. So why do I, why do I feel better? If I, I just feel more, I say this all the time to young guys. Like, why don't you want to be smart? The world's full of morons. Why do you want to be one of them? Read a book. Yeah, but I'm not interested in anything. You're interested in jujitsu. Read a book on jujitsu. And then guess what? You might get interested in something else, but yeah, it's, it, it is, it is fascinating. It's like, um, you touched on a few points there, which I'd like you to just one one especially. So, when you talk about the fencing and its influence, people now think of fencing more of a, well, dare I say it, a French thing, right? But where do you where do you see the original fencing come from? Oh boy, fencing has been around since the time we were chimpanzees, right? That, that we've, we've sharpened things and we've poked people with it, right? So yeah. that's first. Second, that's what I think about national borders, right? It's crazy. Those borders are so fluid. You know, yeah. uh, the empires changed, the, the borders changed. So trying to say that, hey, this is French, this is Italian, 
it's good. I mean, it gives you a little bit of national pride, but think about it a little more broadly. They all influenced each other, yeah. right? The Spaniards fought the Italians, the Italians fought the French, the French fought the Portuguese. So they each, you know, steel sharpens steel. Now, what makes a difference is your genetics and your geography and how you adapt based on the pressures put on you. So, so yes, the first step is looking at Spanish, but in the future, we're also going to look at, okay, what does, what did the rest of the Iberian Peninsula do? For example, the Portuguese, what did the Italians do? What did the French do? How did they all interact? Like one of the sessions at the symposium, uh, we have a, ma a maestro both in the Spanish and the Italian traditions, who's going to discuss and show, uh, how did he put it? He said, I feel the war of these two systems in my body because they move so differently. So he's going to compare and contrast how they interacted and what that cool. means. Now, see, that is where, that's where the gold is. Yeah. Because look, you and I are built differently. We eat differently, right? We stay in different places. The same movements will not work for us, you know? My left knee is bad. Maybe your left knee is great and your right shoulder is bad, whatever, right? So we're not going to move the same way. So certain aspects, certain parts of these arts will speak to us. But there's something more deeper than that, right? Way, way deeper. See, at, at certain point, I would hope that we stop doing martial arts just to learn to defend ourselves. Because if, if I've been doing this shit for 30 years and I still am practicing just to defend myself, that you, you need to change your teacher, yeah. right? right? So why are we pursuing this? Because it, it is to pursue a deeper understanding of ourselves. That's how I look at it. Now, when we are trying to really understand ourselves, what do we need to understand? Who we are, where we come from, and who we are becoming. Now, those questions are best answered at the edge of the blade. Why? Because, you know, uh, Richard Burton had said, you know, the history of humanity is the history of the sword. He's right, because it's the history of conflict that tells us who we are. So as we look at this spectrum and as we look at this comprehensive view of the world, not only do we understand the world out there, but we, we become better at understanding the world in here. Yeah, it's as as you were just saying that it was you know um, one obviously I live in England and you know I'm one sorry. of the classic one of, one of, <laughs> hey I'm Irish so I'm all right you know what I mean I'm just visiting this place uh, but the the situation that I've situation that I've seen uh, especially in the UK is we've got the the classic Excalibur story mm -hmm. you know that's and most people think it's a myth but if you don't mind i'd like your thoughts on it for the simple reason and uh, this is where it shows that i i have done my research on you when you talk about martial arts and the bearing of a king and then when you especially when you were working in uh, you went and visited um the caribbean and you met these guys and you were like but they 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 had like a regal bearing so first of all i'd like your thoughts on excalibur and the Arthurian legends, right? Which I truly believe that they did exist, but I think they've just been uh, expanded on a little bit uh, in some ways to make it look, sound a lot better. But then obviously, if you talk about the bearing of the king as well. Look, myths are stories that point us to ourselves, right? Myth, the way I look at myth is it's these are stories that have been in some ways forgotten or embellished, 
but they're yeah. pointing to a greater truth. That's how I have always looked at it, right? Yeah. Um, do I think that the Arthurian legends are real? Well, they are real because they shaped history. Because look at look at the entire idea of uniting under a forgotten king or a lost king, number one. Yeah. Number two, that only the rightful only the rightful master of a blade can draw a blade. And this is something you'll find all over Asia, that certain blades uh, only respond yeah. to certain people. And I've seen this firsthand. I've seen right. blades move, okay? I probably get called a liar for this, but I, I know what is, uh, what is true in my life. Uh, so the blades move with certain people, right? Three, look at the entire um, idea of a knight and what it means to be chivalrous. Yes. Right. So these myths, these stories completely informed what it meant to be this regal person, number one. Number two, what they also inspired is that, hey, I'm supposed to fight in this way. Number three, I would say that that is the Western Bushido. 100%. Yes. Exactly. So, and, and, and the end of it, between the British, the Spaniards, and the Portuguese, they conquered the world for 500 years. Yeah. So, so, so that warrior code works. And, you know, I, I get into trouble for saying this. They're like, oh, you, you, you're talking about a colonial mindset and imperialism being good. I'm like, look at me, I'm Indian. And mm -hmm. yeah. look at me, I'm also an American. We kicked the British out in both places from two different strategies. But the fact is, the fact is, they were pain in our butts for a few centuries. Yeah. Right, and they shaped us, right? So, I, I don't think we can judge yesterday from today's values. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you don't mind me saying, as you were saying, uh, when you mentioned that it's the Western Bushido, when we talk about, uh, especially uh, anything to do with chivalry, anything to do with being a knight. Uh, you know, one of, uh, it's really lame, but it's one of my favourite movies of all time is Kingdom of Heaven because there's so many great... Oh, it's Orlando Bloom's in it and he plays a knight. But it's really good because there's a great line in it where, you know, just as he's about to make... what what, what the, the, the whole story is Jerusalem's under siege. So Christians have had it for a thousand years. Salah Dean's knocking on the door the Templars have been really very naughty. That's a big term we should use. They've been very, very naughty. And what, what happens is this guy, Godfrey, his son, Balian, that's who Orlando Bloom is playing. He turns around and he's like, he goes, we've got to protect Jerusalem. It, not, the, not the Jerusalem, but the people. And one of, the, it, for, surprisingly enough, a member of the Holy Roman Catholic Church, bit of a naughty character, he turns around and he says, but you have no knights. So he gets all the guys who can bear arms to take an E. And what he does is he makes all of them knights at the same time. And mm. as he does it, he does that classic bit that if you don't, if you've never seen it, it's amazing, you know, where it go, arise a knight. And you know it. And that, that last bit where you get slapped across the head with the gauntlet. And I really like that because I may that be the last unanswered blow you ever take. And yeah. like how Bushido is that? It is. You know, it, it, it's it's unreal. Hey man, you can do that with a Japanese accent, mate. You are, you it are is, ninja it is. level. And, and you know, I mean, like, look at the other thing. 
the uh, the other piece that it really inspired the the the, the great legends inspired is the Tubador tradition in France, right? And what did they do? Oh. What did they do? Uh, they would they would go out in the quest for the grail for the fair lady. But where would they enter the forest? They said, enter the forest where it's darkest for you. Yes. Right. Now that's Carl, that's Carl Jung right there time. We are it is going Carl down Jung of Jung, that time. Jungian territory it? there, man. Yes. But, 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 yeah, carry on. Yeah, so, so it is Jungian territory, but Jung came so much later, right? But these guys were already capturing that, the idea that you have to go where it's darkest for you. And, and I would argue that the Western alchemical traditions are equal to the Eastern Taoist, the Eastern Bushido traditions. Definitely. The fact is that they have not been understood. And here's the thing, you know, this, this false dichotomy of East and West, uh, you get trapped in one of the two and you try to make the other bad. But yeah. those are two extremes within us. And I live those two extremes being in, of East Indian origin here, living in the United States. And exactly, yeah. my homes, you know, I love both my homes. And, but essentially, if this is the idea of being a comprehensivist. Because only when we are able to see the whole spectrum, then I, it's only then, or only through personal experience, can you dare to say, absorb what is useful. Until yep. then... You're full of shit. Yeah, but Mahi, Mahi, uh, you're you're telling me you're not a JKD guy, but you've just totally done the yin and yang, and you have you have to have both parts of the circle to make it work, right? I've got news for you. There was JKD before JKD, and JKD oh, yeah. with Bruce Lee. It, it didn't start and end with Bruce. I know that's going to get you know, me you know what I'm saying. Trouble. I, I okay. I'm just being facetious. My point is these are. <laughs> <laughs> These are ideas that are uh, as old as time. Uh, if you look at uh, the work of Bruce, I mean, he's a brilliant man, such an, he, insp he inspired millions of people and continues to inspire today. But at the same time, don't let him become the prison, right? And see where he got his ideas from. He got them from JK, J. Krishnamurti. And where did JK yes. his ideas from? He got them from a tradition going tens of thousands of years, right? So my point is that, with each generation, certain people come who are able to take these old ideas and present them anew. You know, like Emily Dickinson says, you don't need new worlds to see, you need a new set of eyes to see the world anew. And that's well, you, what you, you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I literally was only talking about this to a friend of mine yesterday because it's the rediscovery. And the problem is, to quote Guru and Asanto, is he always says, when you start training, you will think you are a genius. Because you discover it. So, and, and it's like he said, he goes, we'll take America for, for example. Yeah. Columbus discovered America. Unfortunately, there was 130 million people there already who were like, oh, yeah, you can call it whatever you want, but it's still this. So, if you don't mind, Mahi, with the symposium you've already mentioned, I, I, I don't know if I've got this right, but have you got 20? So, it's limited to 25 Correct. attendees, right? So what is the criteria to get to this symposium? So a couple of things, you know, you, you got to have that interest. You got to have, uh, for you, you got to have a broadish background, right? And when I say broadish background, I'm not looking for people who've done this for 50 years. At the same time, I'll be looking for two or three guys who've just done this for two years. 
Because yeah. what happens is when you have this wide spectrum and diversity, the kind of questions that they ask forces the maestros to answer in a very specific way. Number one. Yeah. Right. Number two, you got to be humble. Okay. Um, it, it's, you know, it's boring to be around. Oh, eh, exactly. I've done that. Move on. You know, this is, uh, this is my thing. If you want to come, come to my house and play, I don't need to see what a big dick you wield. <laughs> Okay, so uh, yeah. come in and enjoy. Uh, me me metaphorically, I should add, uh, dear viewer. I would hope so. Otherwise, there'd be quite a few grades <laughs> out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not doing craft maga. There's not going to be any. Uh, there'll be no bris today, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're gonna let you me, are. Meg. We'll, You're we'll, gonna we'll let we'll me. Like that one. Oh Jesus. Okay. I'll try my uh, best. Have a broad background. Um, be humble, uh, be willing to learn. So one of the things that we do is make sure that they first sign NDAs uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, second, I personally interview all the people. I just want to make sure that, hey, you and I fit well. And, you know, yeah. we understand each other well, because um, here's the thing, you know, I'm not in the seminar business, so I don't have to make you happy. Okay, yeah. we have to make each other happy that this is an experience you're going to share with me and that's an experience I'm going to share with you. And we yeah. both are better off at the end of it. So it's kind of like, you know, figuring out who your teammates are on this crazy experiment, right? And I don't have to love you, but I need to be able to like you and respect you and say, okay, you know, you have a differing opinion. You have a different aspect of looking at things, but come on, let's, let's, let's do this together. Yeah, you see, this is the thing. It's a... Uh... It's very refreshing to hear that in today's well world, really, where it's a case of everything's got everything is now it's a commodity. Everything has a price, and then when you actually meet people and you say, "Well, actually, no, you might not be a right fit for me." Like that's the one thing that I always pride myself on, because I don't want to teach you if I don't like you, I don't want you in the room with me. No, Why? Because yeah. life's too short. Life is too short. So. So you mentioned some of the maestros that you're going to have here, and some of the some of the uh, some of the guests uh, guest instructors, for want of a better term. Uh, can you give us an idea of the sort of people that you've got abroad? Sure. So uh, I'll just go through the list. You know. Uh, so number one, uh, we have Ton Pui, who, who specialises in Destreza of the Rada School. He's going to come down and show the 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 latest development of how. Rather, school of uh, fencing came about. Number one. Number two, from Cebu, uh, one of uh, uh, the Kanyate brothers' uh, key collaborator and top student, Grandmaster Ron Liu, is going to show how the Latigo Idaga works. So the shot whip nice. and the dagger, right? So this is the beginning. You start. Be you begin to see the evolution of two-handed weapons, which are mismatched, asymmetrical weapons. Yes. Right? Three from Mindanao, uh, you know, the island that was never conquered by anybody, really, you know. A uh, 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 gentleman, Mushtaq Ali Ansari, is going to show some of the fighting principles of the spear, the shield, and the sword. And I hope I can twist his arm into showing the Kampilan. He's one of my teachers. He doesn't like showing it, but I hope he will at least show some of those principles. Right. Yeah. Then, coming on uh, to Northern Africa, uh, 
the nimcha, the curved saber. You know, that is what the Moors used when they were in Andalusia and they were kicked out, what not, right? Uh, depending on who you yeah. ask, one say kicked out, the other say forced out. But okay, I'll let those experts decide that. But yeah. it's the curved blade. So the classic, the classic battle between the curved saber and the rapier, right? He's also going to show El Matrag, which is the long staff, on how the how the Northern African long staff works. Coming into the new world, uh, we have uh, Professor T.J. Irby, brilliant man, brilliant man, a fearless explorer, fearless explorer, and understated to the core. Just one example. Hey, he was working with Helio Gracie in the early 80s, serving as his translator. He's the only wow. insider to have been allowed into Grima and he's graduated from it. So he's going to show how the machete arts developed in the jungles of uh, Colombia and um, Colombia and Panama. And, and he's a professor in New York. So he's not just a nobody, you know? Yeah. Then coming on further up to the, to the vast expanse of the American Southwest, the bullwhip was developed. Anthony DeLongis, um, who studied Destreza, one of, one of the first people who made the first DVDs on Destreza, also a pioneer with the re, uh, rebuilding of the um, rebuilding of how the whip should be used and, you know, reigniting that fire. He's going yeah. to come and show how the long bull whip uh, works. And from the Southeast, uh, so this is the first time that I'm kind of uh, uh, breaking my, uh, I, I, had, I had always said that I would not teach uh, but uh, but you know uh, my teacher James Keating he's not he's unable to come for various reasons, so me and one of my other brothers are going to start showing how the Bowie knife is actually used, right? You, so, okay. Oh well, the, you see this is the thing, right? Uh, the Bowie knife was what really got me because everything else is a sort of um, you try and establish a timeline. Is so hard because so we don't know we literally don't know but with the bowie knife because it's yeah it's a recent development really and then obviously because it's a recent development as a blade uh yeah famously the jim bowie knife right and the other one as well is what got me that really piqued my interest was louisiana arkansas and i'm like you know uh, yeah because louisiana all you think about is new orleans partying and then you realize that those cajun boys down there take no messing so what tell me tell me about this a lot? what happens when you party a lot you bloody fight you get into trouble <laughs> <laughs> all right so um, i'm irish man yeah i know i know so then I, as one of my irish friends uh, taught me he said oh the question to ask is this a private fight or a public fight <laughs> so <I> said, <laughs> yeah I'm like well you can, you can i like that yeah, you, you can all, you can always tell when it's a wedding because the girls wearing white. That's it because they're still fighting. Yeah, yeah. It's so the Bowie knife. So when did you start training in this? And if you can, if you don't mind, before you do that, I, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, when when did this knife art start? Okay, can I just hold on to this question to the side for a second? I'll yes, just no worries. finish the other three instructors and I'll come back to the Oh, board. sorry, I jumped in too early. Sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I didn't, re good. I didn't realize it's it was in three. So the Bowie knife, uh, my, my brother in arms, Dexter Mecha, and I will be showing this. 
Now, then looking at, okay, how did, how did this transform the Chinese arts, right? So the Chinese are going to go all crazy, like, no, Spaniards didn't influence us. Look at Wing Chun, look at JKD, right? So this is where one of Ted Wong's uh, top students in Spain, who is also a flamenco dancer and is deaf, is going to show how fencing transformed JKD, right? Ooh. So, and he moves, he's poetry in motion. Just watch him move, he's poetry in motion, right? And then last, there's an organization called the SCA. What do these guys do? Now think about them as dog brothers with swords. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of blood donors there then, yeah? Yeah, I mean, so they do wear <laughs> armor, but they are they are essentially full contact armored fighting. Now, why that is important is because they're using the medieval weapons from Europe, including Spain. And now, while few groups are trying to revive what's what they think is in the classics, right? Yeah. These guys have the other end of the experience that they these guys just like to fight every Sunday. And then with these weapons, and they're going to tell you this is what works and this is what doesn't work. So what we're going to get from them is the biomechanics of thousands upon thousands of fights that they've had. So yeah. this is where this comprehensive view between theory and practice, between old world and new world, and different perspectives all on the same floor. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. It, 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 yeah as you were saying, when you said about it being comprehensive, you are literally going from one end of the spectrum to the other, and like even down to the timeline as well, from the very beginning to like if these guys are still fighting every week, again, there's no better crucible. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. You you can drill, 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 but under pressure, for real, you'll find out what works very quickly. Correct. And you know, absorb what is useful. Yeah. Uh, reject what is useless. And then make sure you avoid anything that gets your ass kicked. That's that's what that was the line that Bruce should have given you, but yeah. he didn't want and, to give that. And most people don't quote the line preceding to it from your own experience. Experience, yeah. Your add own experience, not somebody else's. Add experience. what is specifically your own. Yeah, they don't want that part. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going on at the moment. So yeah. if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna drag you back to the, uh, Bowie, the Bowie knife. knife. Yeah, because I, that, I'm, I'm by the happy way, to answer this that. is purely for me. It's a, it's a pure passion for me, okay? So I'm happy right. to answer that. Uh, so nobody really knows when it really started, but it started, in a, it became famous with Jim Bowie, of course, and his brother. So there's a whole history behind it, right? Uh, the interesting thing is that all the three fencing schools, meaning the Spanish, the French, and the Italian, existed in Louisiana, in New Orleans. And they were all along, you know, one street. At one point, there were 30 schools. And many a times wow. what would happen is that, hey, you were going to get into an honor match. So you would go and pay the fencing master a whole bunch of money. Okay, I've never fought before. What the hell do I do? And you had that one night to train and you, you basically then went out the next day to, to go defend your honor or adios, mofo. Right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's that's how that's how it actually began. Right. That's that's how it began. Now, there were a series of things that work. So you see a deep Spanish influence because they were the, among the first uh, people to settle it. But you also see the French influence because Louisiana was French territory for a while. 
So you see this amalgamation and, and the birth of a very uh, American craft. Now, why I say American craft? Yes, there was a deep influence by the 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 really well-to-do French and uh, French and um, Spanish influences, but who are the guys who were settled here and who were first, second, and third generation Americans? They grew up very different with an attitude that was a pioneering spirit that broke free from the shackles of tradition in Europe. I mean, that was yeah. the that was the promise of the new land. So this is where I said, you know, it's the genetics, it's the geography and the attitude. So the attitude was, hey, these are the pioneers. Yeah, manifest, the manifest destiny, man. It is you, explain that, you, you explain that to people, they go, what? Oh yeah, God wants us to, God loves us that much. He even killed all these guys for us. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, but it was, it was like, it was a common cold, but it yes. sounds a lot better. It sounds a lot, so. <laughs> How did you? Yeah. So how did how did you start studying? Oh, oh well, uh, James Keating and Bill Bagwell are the two guys who basically revived and saved what was the Bowie knife, right? Because what has happened is it it kind of started to disappear with the knife being banned in so many places. Uh, they even had hearings in the damn uh, uh, Congress, which is our Parliament around the Bowie knife and there were congressmen and senators who have actually pulled out the Bowie knife during hearings. So well, there's a deep, long history, right? So it went into ill fame and also the rise of the gun, right? And then of course, we Americans love guns. So they're like, hey, this is better. If I can shoot you guy from 50 feet, I don't want to get messy with the blade because uh, double kills happen all the time, right? So those two things got the, the Bowie knife to go sort of into the background or disuse, but it was never lost, right? Uh, I have met quite a few guys who are, uh, how shall I say, moonshiners and bootleggers. Yeah. Right? There's, still There's a lot of them in that area. There's yeah. a lot of them yeah. in that area. Funny, it's yeah, it, it's business. Part, yeah, it's part of it's part of that culture, you know? Like some people drink, some people make the drinks. You need both. And these yeah. guys made the drinks and then they smuggled and they had to they had to make sure that their stuff was safe, right? So these guys still use it. And I've met a few of them who were pretty damn scary with that. But anyway, the credit for it goes to James Keating and Bill Bagwell. Bagwell and recreating some of the uh, Bowie knives and his, his knives are pristine. Um, they started about three grand and wow. go go into uh, go higher, right? And but it's like it moves like butter in your hands if you know how to use it. Yeah. And then James Keating, uh, basically uh, collecting all the techniques and recreating and putting a structure in in a way that it can be then passed on. Uh, yeah. So so since about twenty thirteen, I've been studying with the man, and uh, I'm on the phone with him at least twice a month, if not three times a month, you know, and uh, the, uh, it is my, and back in the day when she was not my wife yet, she's my fiance, she used to get mad at me because I used to have a, she used to say, oh yeah, you have your Friday night date with uh, Keating, and because I would not take <laughs> out Friday nights. <laughs> so, oh, well, so that, that unfortunately, that is as age old with martial artists. You'd rather wrestle men than be with me. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just how it works. So, mate, 
whereabouts are you holding the symposium and when? So, so yeah, so March 17th, 18th, 19th. Uh, this is St. Patrick's be... Day. Yes. Yeah. What better way to what better day there to pull out blades? God's yeah. day. After J after baby Jesus's birthday, it's the most important day of the year <laughs> for me. Yeah. And then um, this will be in the Bay Area in California, uh, close to the San Jose airport. So one of the things is that we don't publish the location, only the people who are who are uh, uh, in the program. Attending. Get, yeah, yeah. Attending, they get it. We don't want any spectators. We don't allow any wives, any children to come in. This is very serious. You come in at 7 a.m., the doors close, no Wi-Fi. You don't take pictures, no videos. You pick up your weapons and you play till 10 a.m., till 10 p.m. And then we do that for three days. Wow. So it's 40 hours. So think about it this way. Your most traditional seminars are three hours, two hours or three hours. This is 40 hours. Wow. So so how so how do you how do you apply to, to so just go to www.immersionlabs.com, right? www.theimmersionlabs.com. You'll see the program brochure there and you'll see the link to apply. But 10 questions that you need to answer. Once you answer those questions, um, um, we get it. We'll send you an NDA. You sign the NDA. Uh, so this is this is to protect all the people. This is also to protect yeah. the location. Because look, sometimes we've called people of opposing tribes into the same place. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, well, this was the one thing I was going to say is uh, I am really impressed that we can pull this off because I know Filipinos who don't speak to their brothers it's a bit like the Brazilians, and it's like uh, with the Brazilians, you only have to worry about them either talking you into a ill-fated business deal. By the way, that was a joke, sort of. Uh, no, the other one is uh, with the Filipinos guys. Those guys will be carrying a knife. No, I, I, I know. So, 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 what happened during my second symposium, Stigmata? I bought the three schools of Stockton together for the first time. Oh, wow. I had uh, really? Sarada at the Quardas and I had uh, Bahalana all come and teach. Uh, wow. The first one when I did uh, when I did Legacy of the Blade, I bought the guy who does the Mexican knife and the guy who does the South African knife who don't like each other together and they thought on the same day. Wow. So, so, so I think people truly want to do this, but it's the followers and the other bullshit that oh. people from doing it, right? Well, so, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, it would be very remiss of me not to mention a good old mate of mine, Mark Stewart, as we always say. He's my brother. It's not, it's, not a, not a, not a, it's not the original guys, and it's not even any of the guys who are any good. It's the guys who are spending too much time online talking crap, and they're the ones who cause all the trouble, and you're like, let them guys fight it. Yeah, you don't want to, I hope, you don't mind, I hope Mark doesn't mind me name-checking him, but it was like, it, it's it's bizarre when people talk about lineage. We're interested in the same thing. Why are we arguing? And it's like, oh well, I don't agree with this. But like that's like football or something. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a really great Taoist master in California. I love the line he has: "A lineage is a cult I like, and a cult is a lineage I don't like." <laughs> hey, I tell you what, it's too long for a T-shirt, but it's a great slogan. You know yeah. what I mean? If I yeah, put that on a t-shirt, that'd be well. Yeah, it's a, it's a gentleman by the name of Ming Liu. Brilliant, but he captured it, right? See, right. you're relying on lineage when you don't have balls to stand on your own feet. 
Well, that's one of the things I've said. You know, I've got friends of mine who define themselves as martial artists. And I'm like, you, you, but you train like three times, three, three hours a week. So for the rest of the week, who are you? Because if that's if you're only truly alive for three hours, yeah, isn't that a sad? Man. Isn't that a sad commentary? Because what it also says is, okay, what about your entire human experience? What is it that you truly love? Who's it that you truly love? What is it that you truly are trying to become? Right? I love martial arts as well. I mean, I I would hope that you know that I'm passionate about this stuff. You know, uh, I love this stuff, but. Why do I do it? Two reasons. One, be a better man, but be a better role model for my family, for my children, for my community. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that matters. Well you, well, you see this, you, you mentioned right at the start when we were talking about this. Yeah, it's, uh, you, 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 you didn't quote him, but it's one of my favorite lines. It's uh, Muhammad Ali, which is, if you, you know, the man, who, the man at 50 who is the same man as he was at 30 has just wasted 20 years of his life. Yeah, and right. it, yeah, martial arts is exactly that. So what I'd like is, who who, are the, who 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 do you think are the people that would like to take part in the symposium? What are you actually looking for from them? Open-minded, humble, looking to say, okay, I might know one or two of these arts. I may have played around with one or two of these arts, but let me look at the rest because you know i i like everybody else is on a search for some meaning search for something that speaks to me right and you might just find it right how many of us how many of us maybe started in taekwondo or karate at the y at the y right? i did yeah. right it was fun and then some chance meetings got me into training with something else and that completely changed my life right so it's a way, it's a call to adventure, right? If, if, if you are stuck in, okay, I have found the answer to world's problems and it is X, Y, Z, stay at home. Don't let this disrupt your delusions, right? Stay at home. <laughs> right? I, do, I do like that one. Well, you see, just as you were saying, you know, when you're on about meaning, it's the old Viktor Frankl, you know, man's search for meaning. And it's like, uh, from where? Well, you'll, you'll find out. Do something uncomfortable, you know. It's yeah, and that I don't want to sound like a, a new age homina Again. homina homina yoga teacher, but you know, find that yeah, get out of the comfort zone. Because you know? what kills what kills you is the comfort zone. The only places we truly come alive is when we are in that place out of the comfort zone, and that's where comfort? that's yeah. where steel sharpens steel. You can't sharpen your steel with your mates in your gymnasium. Adversity, adversity shapes you. I truly believe that uh, because guess what? It, it's like, yeah, everyone's got a big grin on their face when they're eating a birthday cake, right? But guess what? For the other 360 odd days of the year, you've got to be on the ball, you know? So if you don't mind, mate, could you sum up in one sentence why not why somebody should by the way, I'm sold already for the simple reason. I'm a geek and I'm a historian and I really enjoy learning new stuff, right? But if you had to sum up in one sentence why somebody should consider going to the symposium, would you be able to do that for me? Yes. You like blades? Come and see how it shapes you from this long to this long. 
Now that is that is something else. You see, the thing is, mate, you want to know the truth, right? This, we, we, like, obviously, we're still in that. We're still in the interview proper here. But you are literally one of the only people I've ever met that you know when you interview that I'm like, whoa, this guy. If, if I was brought up, if I lived in America and I was Indian, I think I'd look like Mahi because that engaging really really it's rock yeah i'm nowhere near in your league by the way oh. but it's like the, the, like the the crazy thing is it's your attitude towards this if you want to know the truth i think your attitude towards the symposium the adventuring which if you don't mind i'm just going to quickly mention now for the guys who are watching this please get the chance just google mahi check him out when I said at the start about him being the Don Drager of our, of our time, that is the truth. There's so many arts that would be lost. But as I said, as we were going through when I was doing my research, I had no idea there were so many arts in the Caribbean. I had no idea. And then you, know, you went to some hairy looking places. As I said, if Indiana Jones was wearing a gi, he would look like you oh because that's, that's that's the, the two worlds that you like you're transversing when you do this. So is there is there a link that you'd like for the guys who are watching this? Because me, I just googled you and I went straight to YouTube and checked out. You did a great TED talk, by the way. You look very stylish in that suit. I'll give you that. But your TED talk was amazing. But is there anything else that you'd like to uh, aim the guys at? Again, you know. Uh... It's more about the arts than me, honestly. And uh, I, I have, I've always shied away from uh, going out in the public. But it's my buddy Mark Stewart who's been pushing me. He's like, "No, uh, you, you got to be out there. You got to get your voice heard." And I was like, "Yeah, there are so many other better people." Um, but, but, I, but, I think every organization reaches a point where you kind of need a front man. So now I am the front man. And that's why I, I think of myself more as an explorer in residence, right? I'm not a master. I'm not a grand pooba. I don't sound like something you could order from Taco Bell, you know, some of the yeah. types, like, you know, <laughs> super grand burrito, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. no, but, but, but the joke is that student first, teacher next. That's why I explore. Because I think what yeah, you is, is constantly exploring. So, what I would say is if you want to check something out, check out the immersion labs and check out the people who are teaching because I go through a lot of effort fighting these guys. And some of these guys might be in your neighborhood or in your country. And that could be that could be the key that you've been looking for. Because guess what? What we don't need is another Mahi or another Tom or another Mick. We need another you uh, who's explored it in your particular way. And you shine that light around the world, you know? You just said something there that made me smile because where you were saying about not being out there, when people, when they Google you and see what you've done, like honestly, there's not a lot that impresses me, but the, the, the fact that you're going out there, experiencing it for no other reason apart from the fact that it's just to make you a more complete person, human being, and it, like, it, it's inspiring. And I really do mean that. That's not BS either. Because the amount of guys who say they're going to do it and they go, right, so I'm going to go and hang out with these guys. Like, and again, with the Caribbean was the one that got me. Because it was only at that point that I was thinking, so all of these African arts, how, like, this is, 
the, the colonial in me. I was like, right, so these guys were taken to the other side of the world. They forgot how to fight. And then you shone, you shone a light on how not only did not only did they keep it going, but as I said, I mentioned it earlier, and I really do mean this. Your thoughts on the like this regal bearing that all men should walk as kings. And again, yeah, I'll get accused of being a really bad dollatory poundland Jordan Peterson here. But this whole, oh, masculinity is toxic. No, masculinity is great. Because guess what? You want a spider. If there's a spider in the buff, Mahi, guess what? No feminist is going to get that spider. They'll be asking for Mick Tully. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. When you look to destroy masculinity, you are going to also destroy femininity. And why would you want to destroy beauty from the world? Okay? So, for the sake of the beautiful feminine, become all the man you can be. Exactly that. Do you know what? We, we got, we, I don't think we can top that. So, mate, I honestly, I mean this. I, I love our interactions anyway, but this has been just wonderful. Big thanks, as I said, big thanks to Mark Stewart for getting us together in the first place. Hopefully see you at the symposium. Guys, if you're watching this now, it's dead easy. There'll be all the links that you need. I'm going to do the Joe Rogan bit where it's like along the bottom there. There'll be all the links that you need to do this. And man, you know, life is so short. We've got a great opportunity. And, and nothing else, you know, you're in the Bay Area. Right. If you're if you're from England, guess what? The weather sucks in England in March. California, always good. All right. So, Mahi, I really mean this. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Will Henshaw for putting this all together. And one more time, Mark Stewart, I'll be drinking a pubs just for you. Blue Ribbon. Other yeah. other beverages are available, Mahi. I have to say that by a by a. Uh, so it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. And, you know, I, I look forward to us uh, crossing blades and breaking let's do more of this. and getting a little drunk and happy at the same time. Let's do all of this. All, all right. right. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.